Um, so you're on an airplane. That's cool. I'm on an airplane. Yeah. So uh, my anonymity is gone just exactly. with all the all the people around me. I'm going to do some crinkling ASMR. This is uh, this is called Fruit Snacks by Jed Hall. Oh, I, I love fruity ASMR. I'm already so much more relaxed. <laughs> wow. That's yep. really something. It is. And I like to I like to lead the episodes with something so abrasive that it immediately cuts the listenership um in half. <laughs> so. Okay. So, Aaron this is so Aaron, how long have we known each other? We've known each other uh I think about six months into my sobriety, so about four years we've known each other. Yeah. So Aaron uh reached out to me back then. You're you're yet another um in real life. Well, we never met, but I consider We've never met in I real life. That's so crazy. In in real life friend. Uh, yeah. that I met because of the podcast and because you reached out and um it's been it's been awesome watching you blossom over the years but so back Thanks, then man. the Aaron that I met was very um at the time you were kind of hurt confused mm-hmm. uh seeking and freshly sober which is which is sort of how how that goes. Like bring, being freshly sober by itself would mean all of those other things, right? But yeah, and feel you know go into as much or as little as you want. But like the um, yeah, if you want like what our first emails were about. That well, it well kind of, it was, oh gosh, I don't remember because that was four years ago that I wrote that, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was probably just saying like, thank you so much for your podcast. It's a, it's been a great resource for me. I remember I listened to like hours of it while I was on a, a work trip. Um, I think I was at the gym and that's where I, I had like just listened to two episodes and I resonated with so much and, and it was cool to, um, have sort of a, a Christianity related kind of sobriety podcast. Um, at the time, I I don't really think I knew of anybody like at my church that was also in recovery. That changed later, but um, but yeah, really back then, I I know that my main thing is like I thought, well, I, I'm a I've got sexual addiction. Yes. Um, that's I mean, that's my that's so my emphatic. real yes. That's my real problem. <laughs> yeah, you that and that's where the the. Um the confusion because back then um i I would say very few people knew your sexuality and i would even say it seemed like you at the time didn't even know no because well i i mean the the story of my upbringing and all that is a long one but basically the the church and the people that i grew up around emphatically believed that there was really no such thing as gay people. They were just people that were choosing to give in to sin. So when I was a teenager, especially, I didn't really think of myself as gay, even though I was hooking up with friends at a young age. Um, And I've only ever been sexual with guys. So for me, just the the culture I grew up in, it was a huge part of, 
point of shame. And then uh, when alcohol was introduced in my late teens, I remember, I mean, even before alcohol was introduced, I remember wanting to drink alcohol partially because I would hear stories of like, girls would come and talk to me at school. I didn't realize back then it's because they probably just felt more comfortable with me because they <laughs> understood, you know, yeah, yeah. didn't feel uh, threatened by my uh, strong heterosexuality. And they, um, you know, I'd hear stories like, oh my God, I like hooked up with Jason last night and uh, I can't believe I did that. I was so drunk and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. But in my mind, I was kind of like, well, I want to hook up with Jason. That's <laughs> like, how you do it. I want to get drunk and hook up with Jason because <laughs> well, the then I would, then I would have an excuse instead of, you know, doing it sober or like, you know, one mm. of my like main things as a, as a kid or a, a teenager was like getting everybody to play truth or dare or whatever. And just kind of trying to see how many clothes would come off. Yeah. Um, That's so, yeah. Well, I don't even know if I made the connection at that time, but that was, <laughs> uh, if I had to narrow down the, list of reasons why i ventured to drugs and alcohol way up mm. top would have been so that i could be sexually active and not feel guilt and shame about it which and is, not feel bad it's yeah like, yeah it seemed like the the way we were raised any way right. around it feel bad about sex that's unless you're married <laughs> exactly so um i definitely made a habit of that and whether it was like excuse me um whether it actually led to a sexual encounter or just allowed me to feel more free to flirt and then if somebody approached me the next day i'd be like oh my god what are you talking about I, oh dude i was so drunk like the, mm -hmm. psh, you know whatever i was feeling your bicep who cares you know um <laughs> um so yeah, I, I, I know back then when you and I first met, my narrative was I used alcohol to numb my real addiction, which is sex addiction. But what I what I believe now, what the narrative I I lean towards now is um, that I was a really scared gay kid who thought he was like the worst thing ever and um and I mainly only knew straight Christians and not even a lot of Christians that that would be open to say that they struggled with um, anything in, involving like being gay or same sex attraction, as I would say back then. So, um, yeah, it was just an incredibly lonely experience um, on top of the already lonely feelings that alcoholics tend to feel. Sure. What, so when in between now and then, what was kind of the process of um, getting more comfortable and, and, and more so, I would say, getting more comfortable um, and then beyond that, uh, which we'll get to, but even like making characters uh, in that vein, right? Like it's yeah. a, it's a big shift is what I'm saying. And I, I guess I'm curious, like at what point did you finally like, <sighs> like, okay, this is me. I can stop. You know, that's got to feel good. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I, it's, and it's something that I never 
believed I would be able to feel. I remember when I was younger being told, you know, there are gay people that look happy, but they're not actually happy. They are broken and sad and they need Jesus and they are pretending and they have an agenda and all that stuff. I've heard and that they're too. suicidal. And that's why the, the suicide rate is so big because they're just, you know, so far gone. And I remember hearing that and thinking, well, like, I already feel suicidal. Why would I want to feel more suicidal by being gay or like saying that I'm gay or whatever? Um, even with all that, I actually did come to a place when I was 15 of like, I was just ready to accept it and come out and tell my parents and, and, um, all that stuff, but uh, they got ahead of me because they caught, um, I know I've told you this story before, they, they uh, found a bunch of gay porn history on the computer that I neglected to delete. It was so, um, Wait, it no. Was, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, so basically at that point, my, my dad, um, you know, they, they can, my parents confronted me and then my dad heard my story I basically like kind of spilled my whole life story up to that point onto him and then he said you know there is help for this if you want help mm. and I didn't totally know what that meant but I also even though I was about to kind of come out I I still the core belief was this is the worst thing about me I'm a horrible person so of course I want help I don't want to go to hell I don't want to uh you know live a life of you know separation from from god so i uh talked to a therapist for a year which i now realize was conversion therapy it wasn't uh, i didn't like go to a camp or anything but but it was on the phone for a year and um i don't remember all the things that were said but i do remember the the thoughts and feelings that i was left with which were um uh one of the main things was this will go away if i do the right things um, it is a sin. And, um, you know, if, if I, if I work on myself and love God and trust God and, and follow kind of these steps and, and beliefs and, and avoid this and that, then the feelings will go away and I'll, um, you know, be able to live the happy heterosexual, uh, fantasy that, that we all have. So, when in my 20s the feelings still weren't going away and i would i would say i was pursuing god like as hard as i ever had i i found a new church i loved it there um i had accountability partners i was seeing a therapist i was like you know doing all the things i was any any sexual thought i had i would journal i would you know talk to a pastor i was like fucking hardcore and i remember bringing it up to my therapist one day saying like you know i i just know if i do i would kind of just repeated what i learned if i do all these things then like you know eventually god will honor that and it'll go away and, and she goes so what if the feelings never go away this is a and new I, therapist or the same one this is the new therapist oh, okay. not the yeah, yeah yeah so this is in my 20s what if the feelings never go away and i I started getting really, really emotional. And I, I told her like, I mean, that, that sounds like the worst thing because this is 
the thing I've wanted to get rid of my whole life. And she said, well, I'm just going to be honest with you as a therapist. I've seen a lot of people like you over the years and it doesn't tend to ever go away. So now really it's up to you to choose what to do with that. And she was really good about not like guiding me towards a certain agenda or whatever. Right. Um, so my choice, my thought back then was, well, the right thing to do is, I guess, accept this burden and try to live the best I can. So I, I did not, I went very, very long periods of time without looking at porn. Um, I think the longest I went was almost a year and a half. Um, excuse me. And, uh, I dated a girl for two years. I thought I was going to marry her. Um, and she, like, I told her everything. I was, you know, just trying to be as open as possible. I didn't want anything to, to be a mystery or whatever. Um, and again, my narrative back then was, you know, I, I like guys and girls. Like I've only, you know, I struggle with this, but I know that God's will for me is this. So, um, yeah, but I was throughout all that time I was drinking. Um, that's the one thing I was not sober from and I should have, uh, put it together sooner, but I didn't. Uh, I, I, I remember I finally like kind of made some rules around my drinking, which alcoholics only really tend to, yep. to do, <laughs> um, made some rules like, you know, no more than two in a day. Uh, don't drink when you're sad. Um, you know, don't drink when you're alone. Don't have it in the house. Like all these things to manage my alcoholic behavior while not focusing on it at all. And I would, um, and I remember throughout that whole time, really, I, I just had such strong desires to be with men and then the way that I would numb that was going after God and drinking alcohol. <laughs> yeah. um, those were kind of my two my two drugs. Um, and I finally, um, there was one point where I guess I, I drank and I relapsed again with porn. And I told my girlfriend, and this wasn't the first time it had happened, and I forgot exactly what she said, but basically was like, I think we need to take a break and I really need to think about some things. And I was devastated. I thought that meant breaking up. I thought, you know, this is, I've dated this person for almost two years. I've, I've asked her parents if I can marry her. They said, yes, I'm like just saving up for the ring now. Like everything was going according to plan. And now this is kind of going to shit. And um, I she decided to call it off, which at the time broke my heart, but now I'm incredibly grateful for it. And I think it was very intelligent of her to uh, not try to change a gay guy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. And now she's married to a, to a beautiful uh, hetero and, you know, I couldn't be happier for the both of them. Um so yeah, I, I got into the program and this is kind of the way long way sure. back to answering your question, but the way I started really getting more comfortable with it was 
in talking to my sponsor and going through the steps, um, just getting really, really honest about my life. And my, my sponsor was not a Christian. So he would listen to me and point things out. Like when I did you know, my sex inventory, for instance, and in, uh, step four and five, he, uh, he said, you know, I, I want to point something out and I don't want you to take it personally. I promise you, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I just noticed that all the names here are guys' names. And I was like, yeah, well, there are lots of straight guys that struggle with only having sex with guys. <laughs> and I said it completely unironically. And he was like, no no he's like well yes but there's a there's a name for that it's but actually there aren't (laughs) (laughs) but actually no right so at that time finally i was like well maybe i'm bi maybe that's it maybe i can i can say that i'm attracted to both but i really i mean i can't tell you the amount of anxiety and fear i had around the g word around gay like i did not want to say it i didn't want to be associated with it it just it brought up so much stigma and history for me and feeling like if I did that, then it was all over. Mm. Um, So again, just like getting honest with him, seeing how he was totally accepting of whatever it was, uh, then getting honest with some other people in the program and then getting honest with people in the program that are gay and like going to them for advice at times and, um, I remember this one guy specifically, I was, I was weeks new in the program, but I kind of like shared my story with him really quick. He goes, are you gay Aaron? I said, what? No. He goes, your story just sounds similar to a lot of gay guys. And I was like, uh, 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 what do you mean? <laughs> like a lot of gay alcoholics have your story. And I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> weird, <laughs> weird. Yeah. Not I, what? Not this not this hetero. Um, so I just, I just started getting, I get getting a little more comfortable, you know, in a meeting or specifically after meetings, maybe like talking to some of the girls. Um, and if they said, wow, that guy is cute. Like just me being honest and responding to be like, yeah, he's really cute. Um, and then again, just like seeing how supportive people were and if they didn't know how delighted they were to find out. I was like, I I remember people telling me growing up, dude, if you're gay, it's okay. But I never really believed that it that it was, that it would maybe just be an excuse for them to make fun of me Mm -hmm. or that they were just saying that to try to be nice. But now I really started believing it. Like, oh, maybe there are people that truly believe it's fine to be gay. This is so weird. Um, Yeah, so finally, I I, I was encouraged early on in the program to not date anybody or, or not to not have sex, but not to date anybody until I had been in the program for a year. Um, and I'm glad I did that because by the time a year came around, I kind of was like, I think I want to try to go on a date with a guy. Like, that sounds 
that sounds like I most want right now. And I was, I was talking to my therapist and I remember again, getting super emotional with her. I was like, I've, I've never even let myself consider the thought of going on a coffee date with a guy just a innocent coffee date. Like what is, I can't believe that there's something evil about that. And she was like, it looks and sounds like you really want to do that. So try it out, see how it feels. And, and I kind of came to the place too, where I was like, if, if this really is the worst thing to God, like he just hates gay above all else, then the God I believe in also is a God that would a convict me. So I would feel bad about sinning and then B would forgive me if I repented. So I, I was kind of, I was letting myself um, kind of explore a little bit to explore a little bit and trust God to kind of throw me the signals and whatever. So I asked out this guy on the phone who was also in the program and, um, and he said, no, Oh, which, no. <laughs> <I know. laughs> which, oh, which, uh, you, no. you would think would be pretty devastating because it was like the first, like leading up, you know, 27 years of my life leading up to this moment. But I, it wasn't, I got off the phone and I was just all smiles because there finally felt like there was something in my life that I, that clicked. It was like, you could finally be honest. Yeah. And I, I, the, the words I, the term I used back then is like, I felt like God smiling on me on that Mm. action of, which is something I never thought I would feel doing something that I was told was so evil my entire life. Right. Um, so for me coming out, I'm sure maybe it would have happened another way if I continued drinking and, and didn't get in the program and all that, but, um, it would have been a lot more secretive, a lot more painful, a lot more traumatic. Yeah. Possibly traumatic. Yeah. And, and, um, and maybe it wouldn't have, maybe I, I would have started dating another girl and gotten married and have kids and then, you know, blow up kind of a situation later in life like we see with so many leaders and stuff and yes and i have i have personally met and um yeah i know quite a few um men who have uh drank to cover that up for a lifetime and have families and children and that's one of the reasons they just were never able to get sober is because they cannot. And it's, it's pretty, pretty exclusively, um, religious. Um, it's a lot of, ironically, it's a lot of African, the ones I've dealt with a lot of African American religiously raised males struggle with this. Um, that just in my experience, which always, I mean, it makes sense, but it's, it's a, it's a bummer. It's like, I can't, Cause I can empathize with not for that period of time, but I can emphasize with the hell that is living um, with uh, this facade that you present to the world and then secretly having like, and it's not a little secret. I mean, this is like a, you know, that's a humongous thing to keep to yourself and to, and just the mental energy to 
you know, the mental gymnastics you have to constantly do. And, um, especially with, with you, you have extensive therapy experience. So after if, which I call being over therapized, but after a while, (laughs) it's like, you know, you get taught the quote, correct way to think so much that you just set every single thought that comes through your head, you're kind of counter thoughting and giving rational mm-hmm. explanations why this isn't true. And it's just like, it's fucking exhausting, dude. Yeah. And there was, for me, there was so much image management, mm. which I know a lot of alcoholics deal with anyway, but just every conversation and, um, you know, opportunity that I could, the way that I was dressing, the way I carried myself, the way I would lower my voice on purpose and talk a little bit slower so people wouldn't catch on, you know, um, I, I don't know. I don't have the highest voice, but I was teased a lot about my voice when I was, when I was younger, or at least people would, you know, say gay slurs. So I really tried to train myself to act and talk in a certain way. And finally to start letting those pieces go, um, really was so like, such a an exhale of my soul yeah. you know and frees up your mind to actually like devote energy to other things like creative endeavors and stuff and that cuz also when yeah. i when i met you you were a, a burgeoning character thespian an actor uh doing shakespeare in the park um no i think well actually i think you were, I was... you were just getting into that like you'd if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, um, so I was I think I was just getting back into it. Okay, is what was happening. So I um, I had taken a break from the industry for a little while because I considered it a bad influence on me in terms of like being gay because yep. I was Go meeting so many happy gay happy gay people, and I was like. I can't be around these happy gay people. They're making me think they might actually be happy and then I might be tempted. So let me leave the industry. That's, that's the solution here. <laughs> um, so finally getting back into the program, once I did that, I, I started getting back into acting and everything. So I, I, I stayed in Miami for a little bit, finally kind of realized that with what I want to do, which is mainly TV and film, I needed to move where there was more TV and film shooting. And so I decided to move to Atlanta. Um, and that's where I live now. And that's what I do here. And I just booked a movie. I forgot if I told you this. Oh, no, you didn't tell me this. So, well, and all, yeah, what, uh, like, tell me about that. I guess we'll get there. But, like, what I was about to say, like, what, <laughs> what, to, like, like, feature film or, uh it's a it's a, a tv movie okay right on so i don't know if it's going to be like shown once or going straight to netflix or whatever i don't know the distribution plan yet but um is it like I'll, a, I'll you know. like a big role it's a pretty big role yeah i'm in uh i, I would say i'm in like a, a fourth of the script oh nice yeah. Dang. So yeah, I, I'd been uh, creepily watching your career from afar, right? And yeah, I saw you doing Not creepy. If you're a friend, yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, the whole the internet is very voyeuristic, and and it is kind of weird. Where it's just you can uh, even with friends, it's like I don't know. It's just no other time in history could we literally be like, oh, let me see what he was doing in 2004, and you know we have like literal yeah, documented true. evidence, like. 
I'm just curious. What were you doing in October 2006? Oh, there we go. Found out. Uh, Never mind. You are a creep. Continue. Thank you. Yes, because I, I take yeah. notes. I have I have stacks of journals for each of my friends. and um, It's mainly for blackmail purposes. When So once you get big enough, you'll ex, you know expect a call, um, and uh, we'll go from okay. there. Um, cash your card. It's good for me. Um, <laughs> so I, I would imagine that, so you would, it looked like you were getting progressively more things, um, which like, was it easy to like, were you, I'm assuming you, was this your full-time gig making a living, just doing like little bit parts commercials or like, how do you at first make a consistent living doing what you were doing? My consistent living mostly came from doing other things. So um, I was doing a lot of brand ambassador work. So I was like uh, traveling the country with different brands, um, doing an auto show here and there, or I, I got to do a couple of tours with Apple Pay, which is pretty cool. Um, they hire actors for that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, because a lot of actors are just good with, customer service or staying on a staying on a script memorizing details and all that so um yeah so that was that was uh i would say the majority of my income and then the rest of it was whenever i was lucky enough to book an acting job now my main source of income is tiktok related um so like doing ads there or just from opportunities that i get from my stuff yeah which which i was wondering so uh so you were you know you got this acting thing and then this whole pandemic hits so how did Mm -hmm. you tuck and roll with that and what were the well what was uh from an insider perspective what was everyone in uh hollywood south kind of saying when this thing first kicked off at first, it was, hey, guys, all the productions are shutting down for between two weeks and a month, but we'll be back. And then everything, and I, w- I remember even thinking, like, a month? That's so long. Like, these people think that we're going to be down for a month. No way. Everybody's going to wear a mask and stay inside. We're all good. And, you know, just had no idea back then. So as as time continued to go on and, and I realized how much longer this was going to go i was like okay maybe i can um just have fun for the next you know month or two that this is going to go on and i'll I'll just start making like more videos because obviously i'm home all day and um so i i was making more videos on instagram and then found my way into tiktok and um basically it, it tiktok did not really become monetized for me for the first, I want to say like seven months, um, I wasn't really making anything from it. But then after that, my my numbers kind of shot up as as multiple of my videos were going viral. So um, brands started approaching me and I uh, specifically over the holidays had like a really good income. Now it's slowed down a lot because brands aren't, their, their budget just for the spring, for normal spring, sales are not as much but um so, but yeah so like from so did, obviously going into um tiktok I, i'm assuming you weren't like this is going to be the thing w- w- is it safe to say that's the thing that has brought you the most notoriety thus far yeah 
absolutely. Okay. And so I, I had been, I had been trying so hard on YouTube for a while and Instagram and all that stuff. And I think on Instagram, I had barely had maybe around 1500 followers. Um, and that's after years of putting out some, what I considered like some pretty good content. Um, but TikTok, I guess just the way the algorithm works, like was able to get my content out there to the kinds of numbers that I had never seen before. Um, so that, that really did, you know, of course also like bring a lot more people over to my Instagram from that, but then also on Instagram, people would share my videos because they saw it on TikTok and they would tag me and people would go to my page. It's all kind of that, that sort of, uh, slow, but sure growth in that way. What, um, and I've, and I've gotten a few gigs from being online. So as kind of in- part of my strategy like people like you will use that as a resume or people come to you people approach me saying yeah say like hey i've I've seen your stuff uh i think you'd be great for this project that we've got coming up um wow what was your most uh viewed video give me some numbers uh i would have to scroll because sometimes videos like they'll hit a certain amount and then it kind of plateaus for a while. And then three months later, randomly it gets 3 million more views. I'm going to guess that my highest speed video is about around 10 million. That's, that's um, a lot of million. It's a lot of views. It's a lot of eyeballs. It's a lot of, it's a lot of, a lot of fucking million. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, I think being on the comedy side of TikTok, there's a lot more supportive, viewership that goes around i know i know some people got really popular videos but all the comments are fucking hate comments i don't know if i could really take that that's and thankfully that's not really my brand um so you know mostly it's it's 10 million views with a lot of support behind it and it and it feels good to do stuff that people are seeing and people like do you think so when that's what i was going to ask so going into what was kind of what was your, how did you stand out? Like, what was your, uh, shtick? Shall we, shall we say, or what, or did you have a plan or did it kind of, you threw a bunch of stuff to the wall and let's see what sticks and then focus on that. Yeah, it definitely evolved. Um, also around the time of, uh, the BLM protests and everything, I took a break because my, I am definitely pretty empathic and I, I was like either, in bed or uh being as activistic as i could um on instagram or just kind of feeling like what good is anything that i'm gonna do this problem is so big so i i felt very very overwhelmed and i i took a break i didn't have any ideas i wasn't being produ- uh, creative at all um and then finally i like got back on TikTok and was just seeing some other people Cause I kind of thought like, if I'm going to make a video, it has to be about the issues that are affecting so many people. It, it's gotta be the most important thing to talk about. But then I noticed that a lot of the videos that I was liking and seeing were just comedians kind of providing an escape. Like, yes. let's just, I'm just going to make a funny skit for you guys. That's it. We don't always have to be so high alert there is a time and a place for that. And like, for me personally, I, I donate, I, I try to be, I'm a lot more like, I guess, activist leaning on my like Instagram or Twitter uh, stories and, and posts and all that. Um, 
but I, I know that I'm doing my part and I don't, I don't need to, um, save the world via my TikTok. And maybe part of my way to save the world or to give the world some relief is to just like give us sort of a mental break by making a funny skit. So that's kind of what I sure had in mind when I came back into it. We, yeah, we, we went through that collectively um, during 9-11 when there was like almost like a moratorium yeah. on laughing for a minute. And yeah. it was kind of Yeah, like, you felt okay, bad yeah, having fun. Feel bad. Yeah. But then then people quickly realized like, no, 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 we need to, uh, we need to laugh. We need to, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've gone through that on a much smaller scale with, with just losing friends recently. And then, then just thinking to myself, like, yeah, mourning is weird. Like dealing, mourning is very strange and there's, there's definitely no cut and dry thing on it. And I, I, I lean more to your, um, your perspective on that in that laughter is very healing and it, it definitely is a, um, it's definitely kind of a, I would call it a spiritual position to be in someone that's like providing entertainment. Uh, I do think that definitely has value. Um, yeah. And I also think there are so many people that I follow on the various platforms that are so articulate and smart and have such incredible ways of saying, things that I'm like, I, that's not me where my articulate voice is, is in comedy. And that's okay. Like we all have our strengths. Um, I can share these people's content whenever I, whenever I can, but, um, I don't, that doesn't have to be me just because I feel like it's important. Yes. I Um, I got a, a Facebook memory, like I think it was the last time I was activistic um, on social media and it was um, one of the shootings and I wrote this long mm. thing that like it and I reread it and like it was the things were true but I just realized I was like that that just isn't that's just not I don't know that's not my form of because there's always there's always a certain amount of look at me ism going on with that mm, sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like the people that are actually doing things, they're not sitting around just typing about doing things. Right. And so it's, I guess if I'm gonna, if, and when I try to change things, I'm going to actually try to change it. I don't necessarily feel the need to, um, plainly say this this is you know in and not not to say nothing's gonna spark me again to to say something but i really made me realize i was like that's not that's it felt disingenuous in a way or you know because mm. then you get you know you get all these likes you get all these comments like well said not at all it's like i know thank you i'm so astute <laughs> yeah you're right um so with comedy though and it's do you find, and so when you were talking about, that's the first thing my wife said too, when I was like, I guess I needed to, to start a TikTok and get famous. And she was like, yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> trolls there. And I'm curious, because you talked about how some of the comments were vicious. Do you find mm. that being a gay man offers you a hedge of protection against certain trolls? Mm, no. You don't think so? No. No. There's plenty of homophobic trolls out there are they not um, that's interesting well 
I sound really fucking dumb just then. Not like people still don't like that. Yes, I get that. But um, on, I guess I'm really probably referring to Twitter or social media. It seems like um, due to our current climate of culture, there are a few things that um, are like protected in a way where if one person will, says something then they're gonna get slammed by yeah so does that make, i will does say that, make that sense yes i have definitely seen times where there's a comment that somebody makes on one of my videos and i don't even have to respond to it because 10 other people have gone and commented and, and said like dude what the fuck man like um or the weirdest ones for me sometimes are somebody will have a comment and it'll kind of hit me in a weird way i'm like this is that was hurtful and then i'll i'll go to their page and i see that they follow me i'm like if you what if you're gonna say this kind of shit and and you follow me that's so weird weird. like i i don't get it i don't know if it's because it's somebody that's struggling with their own sexuality i do know that i've had like i've had people write me which i don't totally understand maybe in hindsight i'll i'll get it better but there are lots of people that have written me of all ages saying like that I just by me, like being myself and doing my content has helped them come out to somebody or to realize that they're gay or to be more comfortable with themselves and realize it's, it's not a sin or whatever. And I was like, isn't that weird? Um, some of these things are just really fucking heartfelt and it, it, it surprised me at first. Now I've gotten a, l- a little more used to it, but it still baffles me and then I remember, oh, but that's what the internet was for me when I was searching for influences and answers and uh, a narrative other than what I grew up with. It was just the gay people that were like having fun and being themselves and who seemed happy and who were being creative. Like I loved those guys. Um, it is. And I, you know, I mean, case in point, like when someone like you emails me and says that I help in any sort of way, it's still, yeah. strange. it's a very, and now you, you, it's a very, very strange phenomenon because it's, I guess, cause there's like a certain, I don't know what it is, but cause I guess cause there's a certain literal detachment. You know, we don't really know these people until we actually meet yeah. them. But, uh, and then I guess it's, it, maybe it's like a weird, um, for me, maybe it's a, it's a weird self-esteem thing where it's like, I, I, I you know, I still very much struggle with thinking nobody likes me and that I'm a piece of shit. Right. And so like when you hear these things, people saying like, Oh my gosh, you've actually helped. It's, it's like, Oh, that's, that's a thing. That's interesting. And I've, I've had to learn to consciously just accept that and, and just, you know, yeah. Yeah. And not, not try to convince myself that, Oh, I'm not really doing anything or I didn't really help them. It's like, no, you never know. You, we really never know. I guess when when you're putting things out into the ether like this, it's like you really never know uh, the ripple yeah. effects. And I, I, I think sometimes it's easier for us to believe that in the rooms for some reason because there is the personal connection. If somebody comes up to me afterwards and says like, hey, I really enjoyed your share. Like that meant a lot. I totally resonate with that. That makes more sense mm. to me. And, and I guess with the instances that you and I just talked about are kind of outside of any specific recovery setting it's sometimes 
can take us off guard a little bit, but it, it doesn't make it any less true or, or meaningful. Like there's this one guy who started following me pretty early on in, in my TikTok uh, career. And one of my early videos was not really comedy. It was just talking about growing up as a gay Christian. And he wrote me saying, I like, I just bawled my eyes out. I'm going to show this video to my wife tonight. Um, I've been trying to like articulate to her what I'm going through, what I'm feeling. And I finally feel like I have the words. Whoa. So, and thankfully that was a situation where the wife was so understanding and supportive and, um, he's dating men now. And it's like, uh, crazy to have even some small part in a person's life like that to have, to have touched them in that moment. I'm not giving myself credit for him coming to that, you know, for, for now, uh, dating men. Right. But it's like, I think that he probably would have done that anyway, but you played a role. Yeah. You, you were, which is interesting. So with, with, uh, and comedy was also something that I wasn't, uh, familiar that you, that was a thing of yours. So like when, I'm sure once again that it it has changed from initially, but nowadays, like how many videos do like, do you have a set amount that you want to do per week and kind of what's the process from like idea to execution that, um, that you're doing these things? It kind of depends. So last week, for instance, I was out a lot and wasn't really home, which is where I usually make my content. So I didn't post a ton. I did have some time and I posted a few things, but you know, it it was maybe four videos the entire week. And then like by the end of today, I will have posted four videos just today. So um, it really depends on my, my energy, my creativity, my time. I also, since November, actually, I've really been dealing with kind of a recurring injury um, with my my neck and back have uh, just kind of like constantly gotten pulled or strained or swollen in, in some kind of way. So there have been from November to now in March, there have been um, probably a period of like a month non-sequentially that I've been like lying in my bed all day. Um, just cause I've been in so much pain or when I was moving around the house, it was with great effort and, um, you know, putting on, uh, creams. I finally started using like CBD cream cause somebody suggested that to me. I talked to my sponsor. He was like, you know, that, that's not relapsing. You're fine. Yeah, no, that's um, good. You're good. so, you know, using, using that and, um, icing it and just trying to like do my best, but I just kept fucking getting injured. And it was so depressing because not only was I having to lie in bed all day, I just, I had no energy and creativity to make stuff. And, um, and then my auditions were kind of getting low for my agent. It felt like in, in that season. So, um, it, it, it just was, there was a lot to be depressed about. (laughs) So, I kind of, I told my sponsor, like, you know, I've been out of a, 
out of the out of a normal routine for a little while. So I I kind of want to um, try to get back to basics a little bit. Um, so he's like, okay, well, if you want to like change things up and I don't know, call me every day to check in, like, which is not something that we were really doing. Um, and I started doing that and it's, I don't, I'm, I'm careful to say like cause and effect stuff, but like the day after that is when I booked the movie. <laughs> like, and I know that has nothing it might have to something do with, to do with it. I, I mean, I'm, I, I, mean, but I, I had already sent it. I had already sent in the audition, you know, like, well, so it, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. It, but it was really nice. It was really nice timing is yes. I guess what I could say. Like, I was I was trying to get things together. I was feeling better physically, kind of recommitting to the program, and then my career was taking off in a or, or relaunching in a newfound way, which was pretty cool. And it, I I do think all that stuff it it is it does seem to work that way, and, and it may just be a perspective shift, um, but it, it's like good things seem to come in clumps and and depressive bad things seem to come in clumps and it's yeah and li- like you said it, it very well may just be that subtle shift in perception and like gratitude and okay you know let me start just getting back to the basics because you know if you were still in that other mindset who knows you may have gotten the news about the audition and it, w- it would have just been like eh, okay you know great or you know what i mean we sure um yeah. i think that i think there's something to that for sure. Yeah, for uh, sure. I kind of had to do something similar. Yeah. Getting back to some basics because like everyone else, uh, this pesky pandemic really, really destroyed my routine and I didn't quite grasp yeah. how, um, important my routine was for, you know, I guess you, you really forget like once you're kind of, once things are kind of going, um, you you forget what got you to that place uh and it's yeah until the things are taken away and then it's like oh yeah this is this is what restlessness and irritability feel like <laughs> yeah yeah restless and discontent i've felt a lot of that and and i think like you know it, if you're paying attention the last year it makes fucking sense that you would feel something some kind of overwhelmed and sadness and and grief and confusion and anger um so much has happened so many people have died and it's and one of the things that really really upsets me the most is how many people seem not to care or just trivialize it and have basically kind of ignored the entire pandemic and and not just you know the hicks that you would think on you know that that sometimes they that you'll see on tv like really good normal people like i I, i've got a right down the street from me is two really big gay clubs in in atlanta and um as soon as the clubs reopened the parking lots were packed every single weekend like every single weekend and that was back in june when things were still really really bad and and got worse and continued to stay bad every weekend like open and just a ton of people and i i get it 
from the alcoholic perspective, like just wanting to escape and numb and have fun and not think about that shit and, and whatever, if I catch it, I catch it, you know, I'll be fine. Yeah. But you don't really know that. <laughs> like maybe you will, but right. even if you are, maybe you'll pass it to somebody else who will like just thinking with that kind of empathy. Um, it's tough for some people. Um, well, Aaron, man, I'm super glad to see you happy. Uh, that is that is something I noticed for sure. You seem very joy filled, joy joy filled, joy filled and happy, content. Um, all the things. So, where uh, yeah. if people want, where can people find you on on the interwebs? I am at Aaron Goldie Boy in all the places, or if you just search Aaron Goldenberg, um, but that's A A R O N G O L D Y Boy. Um, and yeah, if you want to laugh and have some comedy and uh, enjoy a, a gay guy having fun, then just follow me. They they are legit funny, and I would definitely tell you if they weren't. <laughs> oh, thanks. Man. I really enjoy it. They're hilarious. Um, Man, uh, thanks again, man, and we'll uh, definitely, definitely catch up again. Yeah, for sure.
face was 